Morning, brothers and sisters. Morning. Good to see you all. Thanks for my family for always coming out to hear me speak. My father-in-law and his friend Rachel and my wife Cynthia and daughter Danielle. Thank you for being here. Um, let's open up in prayer and uh, we'll d- dive into our, <coughs> our scripture here. He- Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that thousands of years after the Lord Jesus did come, Lord Father, there are still people on the earth praising him and remembering him for what he has done. Thank you that your word has been preserved through all these years, that the, the gospel has gone forth into all the world and has reached, Lord Father, sinners around the world, sinners like us on the other side of the world, Lord Father, that we may come and worship you in the Lamb who was slain. Please bless your word as it goes forth, Lord Father, with power and might and in the power of the Spirit. Amen. One of the first tasks as a uh, preacher speaking on the Advent message is finding a, an opening verse, right? Uh, Old Testament passage. What ultimate Old Testament passage are you going to use? There's many of them out there. And this one stood out to me going through many of them. And the thing that, uh, the verse that stood out to me is verse 2. And that's kind of what I really wanted to uh, speak on today. So we'll read Malachi 3, 1 to 5, NIV version. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will, uh, sorry, he will be like a refiner's fire or launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner of pure, uh, a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, uh, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. So just to get uh, an understanding of these verses, uh, Malachi was a post-exilic uh, prophet, right? The uh, waves, three, three waves of Jews coming down from, from Babylon after captivity, coming into Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the walls, to, to uh, rededicate the temple, to, to, again, bring proper praise and worship to the, to the God of the Israelites and to re- reinstill the law. And, um, and in that time, right, there was just a, a heightened expectation of the coming of the Messiah, right? It's prophesied. When you return, the, the Messiah will come. So, so um, the Jews at this time were excited, anticipating the coming of the Messiah. So Malachi says, um, reminds them, I will send my messenger. Sorry. Don't do this to me. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me, that suddenly the Lord whom you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. So in its immediate context, that's, that, that, that's what Malachi is saying. But we know that the promise of the Messiah is for the entire world. 
Right? We read in uh, Isaiah 11, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will rally to him, and, uh, and his resting place will be glorious. Isaiah 42.1, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to all the nations. And Isaiah 52.10, The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. So not only is the promise of the coming one to his temple for, for the, the Jews, but also for all, all nations around the world. But then we get to verse 2. But, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? It just seems like an odd verse to be in there, doesn't it? So in its immediate context, again, um, the Jews have come back to Jerusalem to rebuild. They're anticipating the coming of the Messiah, but he's not coming. Years are going by, years are going by. Where's the Messiah? And the, the, the Jews begin to slip into like a religious uh, lethargy. The law is no longer kept. Worship is uh, minimalized. The priests start to bring uh, defiled offerings. Uh, lambs with, with blemishes. Blind and diseased. And if you read through the entire book, book of Malachi, it's a fascinating book. God is rebuking them. Right? I'm your father. Would you do this to your earthly father? Why are you doing this to me? Would you offer these kind of gifts to your governor? Why are you offering them to me? So that's why the Lord, through Malachi, says, Yes, my servant is coming. The Messiah is coming. But because of all your sin and your wickedness, and because you no longer trust in me or have faith in me, the Lord asks, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? And as the promise is for not only the Jews of the whole world, this warning also is for the Jews and for the Gentiles, for the whole world. So this is where we start to ask questions ourselves. Because this, you know, but did not Jesus come to save the world and not to judge it? Did Jesus not come um, to serve and not to be served? Did he not come as a light into the world, as a good shepherd for those sheep who are lost? Did he not come to baptize with the Holy Spirit as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? To, pro- to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Did Jesus not come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor? When we read verse 2, we don't get that sense. It's almost as if um, the Lord's coming is something that should be feared. And we ask again, but right, we think of Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2, when the angels appear to the shepherds. The first thing they say is, do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the world. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And suddenly a great company of angels, uh, uh, heavenly hosts, appeared with the angel praising God. And they sang, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. 
So did not the Messiah, did not Jesus come to bring peace on the earth? Did he? What did, what did Jesus say? He says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Luke says, and Luke, Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. And that's where we get into Malachi verse 5, where the Lord says, so I will come to put you on trial. I'll be quick to testify against you, those who do not fear me. And we read it actually in John chapter 5 that Jesus reiterates these words. He says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted judgment to the Son, to the one who was coming. And whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So although Christ came preaching salvation in his name, uh, it would be his message, this message of salvation, that would be the sword that would divide people on the earth. That would bring division among the people, both Jews and Gentiles, through his ministry, through his works and, uh, and signs and wonders, he would separate those who do not fear God from those who do fear him. By his wonderful signs and teachings, he would set apart a people for himself, a people who, people who will honor the Father by first honoring the Son. A great example of this, um, excuse me a minute. Did, did you ever wonder what Jesus meant when he said, when he compared his generation to the kids, to kids playing in the marketplace, calling out to each other, we played the pipes for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you would not mourn. Well, Jesus explains what, what it means. He says in the next verse, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton, a drunkard, and friend of tax collectors and sinners. So what Jesus is saying is that this generation, if you would separate these people on this side of the sword, they're like kids playing games. Jesus is saying like kids in the marketplace, back in first century Palestine, in the marketplace playing in one, you know, in the group of kids, and one, kid, one group of kids say, well, let's play a game. Let's pretend there's a festival. We'll play pipes, and you guys over here, you start dancing and singing. And these kids over here say, we don't want to play that game. We don't like that game. That's a dumb game. That's not the game that we want to play. And they say, okay, well then let's, let's play funeral. Let's pretend there's a funeral. Okay, and we'll, we'll sing a dirge, a, a, a sad funeral song. And you guys, you other kids, you walk around, pretend you're sad, and maybe a little Joe can hop in a casket and we'll carry him around. And those other kids say, no, we don't want to play that game. We don't like that game. That's a dumb game. It's not the game that we want to play. So this is what Jesus is saying. He said, so, so, so John came in the, in the appearance and the manner of a prophet, proclaiming the advent of God's kingdom and his king. John prepared the way for the Lord by calling all of Judea to a baptism of repentance. John professed to see the Spirit of God descending from heaven 
and, and coming upon the Lord Jesus, and he heard the voice along with others from heaven saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. John pointed to, pointed to Jesus as the, the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire and declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the people say, like whiny kids, we don't want to be baptized. We don't need to repent. Besides, this John, he kind of reminds us of those demon-possessed men living in caves up in the mountains. The way he dresses, the way he talks, the way he, the way he preaches. Most certainly, he and his message is not from God. And then the Son of Man came, fulfilling Scripture, declaring good news of the kingdom of God, teaching daily in the temple, giving sight to the blind and making the lame walk, cleansing those with leprosy and making the deaf to hear, raising the dead and declaring salvation in his name. But this generation, like griping children, said, This Son of Man, he doesn't fast. He, 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 he drinks wine like all the other people. He doesn't abstain from wine. And he attends meals and feasts hosted by ungodly and unrighteous crowds. He casts out demons by the power of Beelzebub. He performs miracles and on the Sabbath. He deceives the people. And he, he's a Galilean. Has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? Besides, he keeps company with some pretty iffy individuals. Fishermen, a zealot, a tax collector, prostitutes who have been healed or following him. This man is most definitely not, 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 not the Messiah. So Jesus is saying that's what, these, that's what this generation, that's what these people are thinking. That their arguments, their rebukes against the Messiah and his message and his messenger are childish. But Jesus says, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Or God's wisdom, sometimes in the book of Proverbs referred to as a woman, God's wisdom is justified by the ministries of both John and Jesus. So who can stand at, at the, who, who, can, who, who can endure the coming of the Messiah? Who can stand when he comes? Who is it? Can anyone see? The Levites. You go, hold on a second here. Hold on a second here, Malachi. Hold on a second here, Wally. I don't, I don't read anything in the Gospels about Levites. Most certainly not about them be, being uh, uh, cleansed by Jesus or purified. But he says... Um, So who are these Levites that the Lord is talking about here? We must, I, I believe, like, we must understand this to be symbolic. First of all, we have to ask, have to ask in, in the Old Testament or in the first, first Testament, as the brother would say, who are the Levites? Sorry, I lost my place here. Um, they're, the, they're the descendants of Levi. Right? Levi, the son of Jacob, and Leah. And the entire tribe of Levi was set apart during the golden calf incident. 
If you remember, Moses came down, came down from the mountain, and Aaron, uh, the, the Israelites had asked Aaron to, to, to make an idol that they may worship, and Aaron took all the gold from the people, threw it in the fire, and out came this calf, and they were dancing around like hooligans around this idol and worshiping it. And next it says, Moses saw that people were running around a wild, uh, and that Aaron had left them, uh, let, let them get out of control and also become a laughing stock to their enemies. So Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to Moses. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today. And he has blessed you this day. In Malachi 2, 5 to 7, we read, the Lord says, My covenant was with Levi, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This, this called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found in his lips. We walked with him in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of the priest ought to preserve the knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from him. So where are the Levites in the New Testament? Who are the Levites of the New Testament? Well, there are those who, when they hear the pipes, they begin to dance. When they hear the dirge, they begin to mourn because when John came to the Jordan in the manner and appearance of a prophet, declaring repent for the kingdom of, kingdom of God is at hand, the Levites went out to the Jordan to confess their sin and be baptized. And they wait anxiously for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. And when the Son of Man came, neither fasting nor abstaining from wine, but rather eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners, the Levites glorified God. They sang Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Who are the Levites in the New Testament? They are, they are the poor and then the widows and the orphans that the son of man came to preach the gospel to. They are the blind whom Jesus gave sight to. They are the deaf whose ears Jesus opened. They are those who worship God in truth and spirit. There are those who would kneel at the feet of Jesus and wash his feet with their tears, wiping with their hair. There are friends of the bridegroom who, who cannot fast while he is with them. The Levites are those who, when the Lord comes to their, their, their house to die, and they say, look, look here, Lord, I've given half my possession to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times. The Levites are those who will not worship the golden calf. They are seeking the Lord and his coming into the temple, and they desire him. There are those who, when the angel said, do not be afraid, I will bring good news. <clears throat> I bring good news to you that caused great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. They are those whom, the, when the angel sang, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom he has favor on, whom his favor rests, those who God is pleased with. These are the Levites 
Because these are the people that the Lord God will purify. The Levites are those who, when the Lord comes to his temple, he will refine and purify. Yet the Lord will not subject them to the furnace, but rather he would enter the furnace himself on their behalf. For it was the Lord who took their pain and bore their suffering and was pierced for their transgressions. It was the Lord who, was cru- uh, who crushed for their iniquities. Punished, and, and the punishment that, that brought them peace was on him, and by his wounds they are healed. For it was the Lord that cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was the Lord who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And this joy that was set before him were the sons of Levi, those who were set apart unto him, refined and purified. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, says, Christ came to to discover men that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed, to distinguish men, to separate between the precious and the vile, for his fan is in his hand, to set fire on the earth, uh, not peace, but rather division, to shake heaven and earth that the wicked might be shaken out and that things which cannot be shaken might remain. Matthew Henry goes on to say, He will purge them as gold and silver, That is, he will sanctify them inwardly. He will not only wash away the spots they have contracted contracted from without, but will take away the dross that is found within. He will separate from them the the indwelling corruption, which has rendered them worthless and useless, to make them like refined gold, both now valuable and serviceable. The Levites of the New Covenant, Matthew Henry says, are those that are devoted to the praise and worship of the name of Jesus Christ and who, in, who are employed in his service as the tribe of Levi was and whom he designed to make unto our God spiritual priests, a holy priesthood. All true Christians are sons of Levi, set apart to God to do service in his sanctuary and to fight the good fight of faith. Brothers and sisters, we are the Levites of the New Testament of the new covenant. We've all seen those pins. Jesus is the reason for the season. We should get pins. Jesus is the reason for the season. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? The Levites. Wouldn't that be a conversation starter? You're beautiful. Yes, Jesus did come. He came to save not to judge. He came not to be served, but to serve. He came as a light to the world, as a good shepherd to the lost sheep. He, proclaimed, he came to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Lord came to bring the good news, the gospel of God, promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his Son, whom through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God to power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Everything here about the Lord's coming is absolutely glorious. The signs and wonders, his teaching, his, his, his proclamation that he and the Father are one, that he will baptize with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy, that the Holy Scriptures testify of him, that John testifies of him, that the Father testifies of him, that the signs and wonders that he does all testify of him. He's the one true righteous God and judge. Anointed by God to bring light to all those who believe in him. He has brought a sword to the world to divide those who in childlike manner would reject him, refuse him, grab at any excuse they can not to believe in him. For they will not have this man as their king. But everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, was that sword. Remember Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? John the Baptist, one of the prophets. But then Jesus asked Peter, but who do you say that I am? That's the sword right there. That's the, that's the divider through all people on the earth. When the gospel comes to mankind, the truth about Jesus, who he is, what he has done, about our sin, about cell phones going off when they're not supposed to, then Jesus looks at you and says, who do you say that I am? Christ Jesus has come to justify and redeem those who have received him and believe in his name. Yet he has also come to put on trial and testify against those who would reject the truth, believe the lie, and delight in wickedness. Malachi 3.16-18 says, Those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Then the Lord says, On that day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the, the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. I'm going to ask the music group to come up. And as they come up, um, I'm just going to close with some verses from Isaiah 35. Perhaps, Hannah, you can play something while I'm reading these last verses. The desert and the parched land will be glad. 
The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will, will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and, Sh- and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. <clears throat> Steady the knees that give way. Say to those who are fearful, with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear your God. Do not fear, your God will come. He will come with reverence, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the, then they will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and the streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. And in the haunts where jackals once lay, Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be before those who walk on the way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there or any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has, has, um, has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And the sorrow uh, and sorrow and, and sighing will flee away. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for bringing a sword to the earth through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for revealing yourself. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for standing before us and saying, Who do you say that I am? Lord Jesus, we cannot respond properly to that unless you first refined us. Purified us like gold and silver by taking our sin upon you. By enduring all our transgressions. By being nailed to the cross on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus for loving the Father so much that you would be obedient to his will, obedient to the cross, to death, and to separation. Thank you for crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that that may not be our prayer. Glory to you, Lord Father. Glory to the Lamb who was slain. Glory to the Spirit who has come to reveal. In his name, amen.